Today, Girls on Film is all about horror, as we're joined by writer and director Carlota Pereda to talk about her new film called Piggy. Plus, film critic Clarice Lochry joins us to share her thoughts on the film and her love for the genre. Here's Carlota. So I think the short has every single fear I have, which are uh, bullying, um, sexual aggression, in a sense, serial killers. <laughs> Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. I'm going to get that gun of mine, and I'm going to change you from a rooster to a hen with one shot. Some people call me a freak. I hate that word. I don't believe in it. Better yet, I don't believe in labels. You know, I think you're the only girl in the world that can stand on a stage with a spotlight in her eye and still see a diamond inside a man's pocket. Because I'm up at five every morning working my ass off. Does someone want to just tell me to my face you're never going to give me the scores I deserve? Hello and welcome to Girls on Film. I'm your host, Anna Smith, and today we're delving into a new and very modern horror film called Piggy. To discuss Piggy in the context of contemporary horror, here's film critic Clarice Lochry. So Clarice, welcome back to Girls on Film. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be here. Oh, we always love having you on. And this is such an interesting film to discuss, Piggy. Um, Okay, so for the listeners, Clarice, could you do me a favour and sort of set up the film and explain the scenario? Yes, this is directed and written by Carlotta Pereda. And it's set in the Spanish countryside. The main character is is Sarah, played by Laura Galan, who works in her her parents' butcher shop. And we sort of open with a lot of blood and meat, which I think is such an interesting way to open a movie. <laughs> She's overweight and she feels very isolated socially because of that fact. Because the girl that she used to be friends with when they were much younger has sort of dropped in with the popular group and and those people are terrible they they torment her both in person and also on instagram social media is quite a big part of this story so you think it's that kind of movie but then there's a little bit of a twist because as the film develops you as a viewer might notice some things are awry in the background of shots. And so Sarah discovers that there is a killer on the loose that is dispatching all these teenagers and it gets very interesting. She develops a little bit of a fascination with this killer and vice versa. And also she is put into a moral dilemma situation. But she also has a understandably huge grudge against these girls who've been absolutely ghastly to her and then it goes sort of I suppose further into genre movie territory did you find your allegiances wavering during the film because I thought that was one of the most fascinating things about it to me that question of how would I behave or how should people be behaving oh allegiance is very interesting because I I think my allegiance with Sarah never faltered but I think the film is so interesting and it it raises the question of, you know, people who are oppressed, bullied, harassed, do they give in to the bitterness or do they try to rise above it? I guess that's that's a central question of this film and it explores it in, I, I guess, a sideways direction and it gets quite dark. But at the end of the day, you know, it's a very simple question that applies sort of universally to everybody at some point in their life of do you take the high road I guess that's it when the opportunity comes do you take the high road or do you have a moral right to give people back a taste of their own medicine 
It's a really interesting kind of fascination that these two characters have with each other. Do you think that has, I mean, the fact that this is a, a male killer and a young female girl, do you think there's something gendered in the way that he's kind of fascinated by her, but doesn't seem to be asking what she thinks of him? But it's kind of interesting that. Yes. And I agree there's a gendered aspect, but also I think for me, a big part of it, it felt like the killer was almost an extension of her. If we're talking, I don't know, like Freudian id and ego, you know, it's it's like a part, it's the darkest part of her mentality in this person. And I think the gender there is important because the man has like the power, the social power. I mean, he's a murderer, he's doing illegal things, but in, in a wider sense, he has the social power to strike back and to, to be violent and to be bold when, you know, the expectation on women is most of all to always just take it and be quiet and just be saintly at all times. So that's that's sort of how I interpreted it, is that the killer is just, it is an extension of her. A little bit in the way almost like Stoker, the Park Chan-wook movie, you can kind of see the relationship between the main character and it's her uncle in the movie. Again, it's the sort of like all the darkest parts of her psyche are put into this exterior person. That's really interesting and I love that comparison. Stoker is a great gem that a lot of people haven't seen, I think. So yeah, that's only, that's a great comparison. Let's talk about the masturbation scene. I'm curious to know um, where you're coming from with this one because... Um, this is a scene where she's she's watching porn or more really listening to porn on her phone in bed and then some images come into the frame. But what did you get from that scene? I guess that's partially why I thought of Stoker because Stoker also has a masturbation scene in it. And the way that this film connects the ideas of the darkness and the violence with sexuality, it all comes back to this idea of oppression and like self-oppression. And so the moment that the violence comes out I think so does the sexuality it's not necessarily pairing the two and saying that the sexuality is inherently linked to violence but more you know it's kind of like opening the floodgates and that's why the character of Sarah and the portrait of her the psychological portrait of her is so interesting because it's kind of a film about self-exploration and and she is sort of discovering herself over the course of the film it's just been framed in this very like ultraviolet exploitation framework but I don't think that makes her journey any less legitimate or even relatable on some level yeah, I think that's that's a really good point. She goes on an important journey and we see a lot of things that buck convention in the way that a girl of that size and shape did often see girls like that owning their sexuality um, or, or, you know, pleasing themselves or giving themselves the permission. And I thought that was really good to see in, in a kind of non-judgmental way. What what kind of horror conventions did you enjoy being used here? I mean, I, I, I quite I enjoyed the find my iPhone as part of the story, the very modern kind of horror. Uh, <laughs> horror convention i think my my favorite thing was i guess the color palette because it the beginning scene is so pink and girly and and pop and hyper feminine but it's a scene of her working at the butchers and cutting up meat and there's blood everywhere and i always really like that contrast 
And again, it's something that I think in cinema, filmmakers often only give that to, you know, certain types of women, skinny, white, you know, and, and it's great to just see that with this film and also to have the contrast of the hyper-feminine hyper-pop with the social media side of it, I found really provocative because there's a big part of the story about how she feels outcast because so much of herself is filtered through Instagram and everyone's lives are filtered through Instagram and what she sees on the feed doesn't live up to her reality. And that's sort of what tortures her. It's not just the bullying. It's the social media is an extension of the bullying almost. Yeah, and and that's something that I think anyone listening will relate to, whether it's for them or their children, you know, the horrendous kind of bullying that goes on in social media. We, you mentioned the director and we're speaking to her today. Um, what did you admire about her direction? And I, I feel like it's an exciting discovery for me. Same. I liked the the confidence of tone because it's it's very difficult sometimes to get the balance between darkness and empathy and being nuanced with the character, but also having a strong horror exploitation element to it. Lots of directors you see all the time, it just becomes too much and it goes far too much in one direction or the other. It becomes very confused and and the actual emotions of the piece get lost in all the acrobatics of what's happening. But with Piggy, everything's just perfectly balanced. And that's what I really liked. And it's sort of funny in places, but it's not never at the expense of any of the characters. So it's still really humane and empathetic and, and real, which is hard to do. It's hard to make a film that is this out there, but it still feels real. <laughs> It, it it really does, doesn't it? Yeah, I totally agree with you. It's weird because, you know, in many parts, th- this feels like a very gritty, realistic, rural, coming-of-age drama, right? And then, as you say, you've, you've got the horror element. But I think that's what, what makes it so gripping and so shocking because it wasn't sort of wrapped in some of the kind of stylistic flourishes that some horror directors use to take you out of it. it was, I really felt very, very real and quite, quite terrifying, actually. Is there anything else that you were curious to speak about, um, particularly in our sort of agenda perspective on this one? I think it's just that you're right, that we just we don't often see like this specific combination of storytelling gender and horror and ideas of vengeance i mean we've had so many vengeance movies but it is always you know the hollywood type of woman gets to to enact the vengeance and empowerment has to look a certain way and i'm always so excited to see when films go no like these stories and also this aesthetic this look this style belongs to everyone and we need to stop limiting ourselves to this one like cinematic ideal of of womanhood so that's what i found most exciting about it very well said i completely agree with you who would you um recommend this film to primarily horror fans i have to say i actually watched this I I didn't I try not to read too much about films before I watch them because I like to have like a very pure experience. So I didn't even look at the poster for this. Wow. <laughs> I went in and I That's restrained. I didn't realize it was a horror film and the first shot of the body I was like, "Oh. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. This is this kind of movie. Cool. Okay." Um so I I think but I think if I wasn't such a horror fan, that might have been not a, a good surprise. 
Because it's yeah, I think if, if you were if you were timid and hated horror, yeah, then obviously it would be a bit of a nasty shock. Because it's quite out there, violence wise. I would say so. I, I think it is for an audience that at least appreciates horror if they're not an out and out horror fan. Yeah, I would agree. I would say. I mean, it's. Is it a feminist horror? I don't know if you'd call it feminist, but it is, it's female-directed, female-focused, and it explores gender a great deal. Yeah. I think the representation on screen is is really worthwhile. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Feminist horror fans, enjoy. Clarice, um, what else are you up to? Is there anything um, we should know about on your work currently? So, I yeah, always, always doing things. Easiest way to find my work is just to go on my Twitter account, which is at Clarice Lou, uh, Clarice Lockery, and I post about everything on there. <laughs> And very entertainingly, may I say. Thank you. Um, thank you so much for joining Girls on Film um, and talking about Piggy. It's been great to chat to you about this and I look forward to hearing from the listeners if they go and see it because I think there's, there's a lot to chew on. Thanks again, Clarice. Take care. Thanks so much. Thanks to Clarice Lochry. Now my second guest is Piggy's writer and director, Carlotta Pereda. Carlotta, welcome to Girls on Film. Hello, thank you. Thank you so much for uh, inviting me. Oh, well, thank you so much for coming along and for talking about Piggy, which is such an impressive film. And before we get into the film, can you tell us a bit about yourself and your background as a filmmaker? Well, I'm a Spanish filmmaker. I'm a writer and, uh, and a director. And uh, I spent most of my career writing in, uh, in television and uh, directing television. I worked in some TV shows that you may have seen. <laughs> But uh, I always wanted to be a filmmaker, I always wanted to tell my own stories, and there came a time where I realized that uh, I, I had to find my own voice, so that's why I started making short films, and I made my first short, which was called The Blondes, and um, I realized that some people were interested in what I had to say, so I, after that I made Piggy, and uh, from then, uh, well, I had to tell the story in, in the form of a, of a feature because I fell in love with the character. Because Piggy was a short film and then it's become a feature now. Um, so where did the inspiration for initially the short film come from? I always wanted to tell something about bullying. Um, and I always wanted to tell something that it was a real horror, you know, that felt like something that could happen without the music or uh, hiding people hiding in the lights in the, in the night, in the shadows. So it's something that was in plain daylight. But it wasn't until I was in the swimming pool where I later shot the, the short and the film that I saw this girl that uh, was uh, alone in the time where it's so hot in Spain that nobody dares to go out because it's so hot at the time of siesta, especially in that part of the, of the Spain in summer. And it was just her and me. And I realized that she was there. Well, I realized, at least my, I thought that maybe she was there because she didn't want to be seen. So something that I started to, for me, to something to a way to talk about bullying, I, I realized had to be about grossophobia. Because uh, I realized that in summer, she couldn't hide. I brought the short that same day, that same evening. After that, I, 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 when I was shooting the film, uh, the short, I realized that there was a story there. There was a story of moral conflict uh, with this girl that barely said a word, but uh, she had so much to say. So I just uh, I had to write the, the screenplay for the, for the feature. And at the same time, you know, the idea of writing the short and the film is also a way of exorcising my own fears. <laughs> Would you care to elaborate on that? When I wrote the short, uh, I was just a recent mother. <laughs> and I thought, oh my God, I brought a human being into the world. <laughs> There's so many things that could go wrong. <laughs> 
So I think the sword has every single fear I have, which are uh, bullying, um, sexual aggression, in a sense, serial killers. Talking of serial killers, there's a really intriguing relationship, um, if, if you can call it that, or sort of some, some kind of connection between Sarah and um, the serial killer in this film. Without spoilers, would you like to talk to me about how you developed that? For me, the movie was always, always uh, also a coming-of-age film. And coming-of-age, you have to have sexual awakening, you know, it's part of human development, basically. And you cannot talk about the teenage years without talking about uh, the eager to be touched, basically. But for me, the the serial killer means a lot of things. The idea of the serial killer is what Sarah sees of him, and we always see him through her eyes, in a sense. But also, I want the audience to experience him in their own way, you know? You could say that for me, the serial killer is almost like a choose-your-own-killer. Yeah, yeah, open to interpretation. And I, that's one of the things I love about this film. There's so much mystery and in, in, in detective work and guessing games. And, of course, there's another fascinating relationship in this film, which can be very difficult to watch, but I think feels very real. It's between Sarah and her mother. If you're also talking about teenage years, especially if you're a woman, you have to talk about your mother. <laughs> it's your most important relationship in that time. And I wanted, for me, the movie's also about, you know, the... Um, social violence and uh, violence we pass from generation to generation and something that is normalized. You know, her mother might be hard on her, but she's, she's just enacting what she's been told that she should be doing, right? Uh, and it's something that is a relationship that is very common in Spain, that kind of, you know, your mother is going to be hard on you because she doesn't want you to become what she has become. <laughs> That's quite poignant, isn't it? And the casting is tremendous. Can you tell me how you found your central cast? Well, Laura Galan, I, it took me two years to find her for the short. I saw every single actress in Spain, I think. I went to uh, theater schools. I even approached people in the street. thought I was crazy, I guess. <laughs> and I did a lot of castings, but it, it wasn't until I saw her in a play, in a theater play, that I realized that there was something in her. She had a command of her body. This character is a very physical uh, body because he doesn't... She barely even talks, so she has to express all her emotions through her body. And for me, that's very important, always in acting. But she was a bit older and uh, was a bit scared that you know, we couldn't be able to pull it off. But uh, I met her in person and she was, she was the character, basically. She, and also that, uh, that gave me a freedom to really approach the character freely. We discussed everything together openly. It's a scene. Uh, she knows her worth and her place in the world, so she doesn't... She was okay with every, everything we were going to do and how we are going to shoot it and everything. And we really made this movie together, uh, Laura Galan and me, because um, we're really good friends and uh, we really understood the movie the same way and this character the same way. So it was a, it was a, it was a pleasure a bit. For me, uh, Carmen Machi, which is the mother, was always the tone of the movie, you know? We, we always shifting between tones in the movie. And she is the actress that embodies that in Spain. I think she's the best comic actress in the world for me. Uh, she's just fantastic. And I think there's something about um, comic actors and actresses that they give them a special sense of tempo. And that tempo is what works also in, in horror, you know. You cannot make a, a, 
something to scare you unless you build it up to the final punch, you know? That's so interesting because quite often I have found myself being really drawn to the comic actor who's bringing dark humour in a horror. And that, that's really interesting to hear from your perspective. Um, was there anything you were keen to do in terms of the way you shot the movie um, in terms of cinematography and or keen to avoid, indeed, any kind of tropes? Well, yes. First of all, I think the the way you shoot the body is always political in a sense. So that's what's also important. The camera is like, it's like a, the audience in a sense. So the way you photograph something is going, always going to come into the reality. You know, as a cinematographer or, or as a director, you choose what you're going to be, you're going to show. So if you present an actress and you present it like padding up, you know, through her body, her legs and the whole body, you're commenting on that. Um, and for us, it was very important that the movie was her. It was gonna, always going to be her perspective and it's gonna, always going to be her journey. And I'm very anal about that. <laughs> so everything had to be uh, about her journey and about character development and about her point of view. So the way we framed her in the beginning of the movie, the way the camera is a bit above her eyes at the beginning of the movie, at the end of the movie, it's a bit under her eyes. The way the camera doesn't move at the beginning of the movie, but in the end it does move. It doesn't stop moving. <laughs> we want the audience to view her in the beginning and then to realize that she's, a, she's not that. Oh, she's a different person. We've been misled, in a sense, by our own prejudices. And also, we also always wanted to, to have a deep connection from the beginning with her, you know, for the audience. It was always going to be her journey and you had to three, uh, th uh, see the movie through her eyes. The, all the work we did with the cinematographer, with the composer, with the music is basically her, what she's not saying. <laughs> the sound design, the, the costume, everything was, it was going to tell the story, you know, not just, not just for aesthetics per se. For me, a theme is always linked with the uh, form. I want to watch it again now with what you've said in mind. That's that's fascinating. Thank you. Um, Sarah obviously has a, a relationship with food and later we see her using porn. Would you like to talk about those moments or that progression in the film? Well, there's something about compulsion in the sense, you know, when you cannot experience something naturally, it become, can become a compulsion. Uh, I did talk with, with uh, some people that had the TAC, TCA, and uh, the way her relationship with food through, uh, is uh, through anxiety. And, and if she doesn't have a... This, something also that teens does do this day a lot is that they experience sexuality through porn. <laughs> this is the first connection with, uh, with sexuality. They, they don't even talk about sex, they just watch porn, basically. Especially if you're an isolated kid. Do you feel there's a sense of awakening over the course of the film um, in, in terms of that, when, when, we, when we see her kind of using porn rather than food as a way of soothing, in, in a sense? Yes, it's also about, everything is about that, that, that progression and, and also the violence in porn and everything like that. In many ways, what we're talking about, these topics are very incendiary. Um, have you had people tell you that the film is controversial? Have you had some challenging reactions? Yes, of course, there's always that. But I think that's the end. For me, I would be disappointed <laughs> yeah. if it wasn't because, you know, I don't want people to feel safe. I don't want people to question themselves. I want a personal experience. And to be personal, there's going to be people who are going to hate it. But 
it's it's so audacious. I love it. You know, extreme reactions, as you say. The cyberbullying aspect in particular is is really interesting. Did you do research into the way that teenagers are now, unfortunately, using the internet to target each other? Yeah, I did a lot of research about that, and I want to, I'm also the the husband of my DOP is uh, specialized in bullying in schools and with teenagers. So, and I also talked with a lot of teenagers because I and I wanted also the experiences of people firsthand. I love the way that you use cell phones as very key to the plot here. Can you talk to me a bit about the creative use of mobile phones? Because I know in a lot of people, filmmakers have struggled with adjusting to the mobile phone age because not having one has allowed them, perhaps in their eyes, more freedom plot-wise. I like I like uh, reality, basically. I think reality brings you so much. And I, I always draw my, my inspiration from reality. I'd rather be experienced by people I know or experience I, I had or things I've seen or things that interest me, basically. There was always going to be a cell phones because nowadays I don't believe a reality where people don't have a phone in their hands. Right now I'm shooting something and I say, if I see, a, you know, you know, when you see an extra walking, you say, why is that extra not having a phone in their hands? I don't understand. That's so true. I love what that detail. What are they doing? Yeah, you never see extras wandering around on the phone. Yeah, what are they doing? Yeah, you know, checking WhatsApp. I mean, yeah. it's just, you know, you have to use the, the things that are real and use them in your advantage. It's like when I see movies when you have a, someone, use, you know, they're in their home and the, what you see first of all is that they have a, a voice in the answering machine in the 2020s. It's like, they're not answering machines. This is the screenwriters who wants to give us an information. <laughs> and for me, that always takes me away from the movie and I want people to feel, to, I, I wanted the movie to be, even it's fiction and I love that it's fiction. I, 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 lo- I love fiction that knows that it's fiction. But uh, to have some sense of uh, of reality, you know that there's this is something that is in the in today's world. I know you said you like being influenced by real life, but are there any films that have made a deep impression on you that you'd like to mention? But in particular, you as a filmmaker. In general, uh, uh, films of Haneke, uh, Hitchcock, Almodovar. <laughs> but uh, in regards to this movie in particular, uh, that could be an influence would be um, Claire Denis, Travel Every Day. Who Can Kill a Child by Tito Ibanez, Narciso Ibanez Arrador, which is a director from Spain and is a movie from the 70s. And it's horror in plain daylight and it's a fantastic masterpiece. Also, Eden Lake and Onconudulac for the sound design and the sexual pulsion of death. Of course, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which is, uh, is the cathedral of horror for me. <laughs> I think Eden Lake is the one that kept me awake at night most of, of any film I'd seen, <laughs> possibly prior to this one. <laughs> but yeah, no, the great influences. Thank you. That'll give our, our, our listeners a, a sense of what to expect. But, but your film really is a one-off. <laughs> is, is there anything else you'd like to leave the girls on film listeners with before I let you go? Well, uh, I don't know. I mean, if there are uh, any filmmakers or uh, struggling filmmakers or, or girls or boys who want to be uh, filmmakers, just don't wait, to, don't wait for it to be perfect. <laughs> just do it. I mean, mistakes are fantastic. <laughs> it's what makes things interesting, I think. Well, congratulations on making a fantastic film. And uh, Carlotta, thank you so much for joining us to talk about Piggy. Thank you. It was a pleasure. You're listening to Girls on Film. I'm Anna Smith and thank you to Clarice Lochry and to Carlota Pereira for joining me to talk about Piggy. UK listeners can watch Piggy in cinemas from the 6th of January 2023.
Girls on Film is an HLA production brought to you by executive producer Hedda Archbold, producer Lydia Scott, audio editor Cam Griff, and intern Eleanor Hardy. Also, thanks to our partners for this episode, Vertigo Releasing. Thank you for listening. We'll be back with another pod soon.